From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. The House on March 7th passed 407 to 23, a resolution condemning anti-Semitism and bigotry in all its forms. Every Democrat voted yes, but the final vote belied how divisive the resolution was for the party. It was initially intended to rebuke one of their own, freshman Minnesota Representative Ilhan Omar, for statements critical of Israel and its American supporters. But black Democrats and progressives objected to singling her out. Today, I'll talk with Janine Rishmawi of the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee, who says Omar did nothing wrong. And later, with Logan Bayroff of the pro-Israel group J Street, who says she did, but who also worries that Democrats' handling of the situation hasn't helped the cause of peace in the Middle East. Welcome, Janine. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate you joining us. Um, so the resolution, this went through a lot of twists and turns. They rewrote it. They added different forms of discrimination to make it much broader than it was initially uh, forecast as a resolution about anti-Semitism. What was the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee's ultimate view on the resolution that passed? So ADC is a civil rights organization. We defend civil rights and protect civil liberties of all Americans and of all people across um, internationally. So of course, we welcome any resolution that condemns hate, condemns bigotry. And we expect it to be inclusive and to um, address racism and bigotry when it occurs in the United States. Nonetheless, ADC also has said that you're uncomfortable with the way Representative Omar has been treated. She was rebuked publicly by Speaker Pelosi and other uh, leadership Democrats last month for statements she made saying that APAC, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, which we had invited to be here today, but they declined. Um, she said that they had outsized power in American politics because of their financial might. Tell, tell me about your opinion on Representative Omar and how she's been treated. So ADC, we unequivocally stand with Representative Alhan Omar, and we um, commend her for her courage to speak out on a human rights issue and to speak out about policy, the United States policy and its U.S.'s policy relationship with the state of Israel regarding Israel's human rights record and the repeated abuse of human rights violations committed against the Palestinian people with complete impunity. Um, ADC views this. Um, particularly what um, Elhan Omar was talking about, as this is a policy issue, this is a political issue, and this is a human rights issue. And we look at what role the United States has in holding, um, either shielding Israel from accountability or holding and in, in, um, allowing for these human rights violations to continue with impunity. Okay, so I think it's probably fair to say that a lot of our listeners don't understand the history of the region, don't know about the situation involving the Israelis and Palestinians. So can you explain briefly what is that situation? So when we're talking about Palestine and Palestinian human rights, what we're talking about is a military occupation that is actively taking place right now that the United States funds. So you have um, the state of Israel, which is occupying Palestinian land and currently displacing the Palestinian people and removing them from their historic homeland. Um, this is done, you see this being done in numerous ways. So whether it is targeting Palestinians, asking for their 
internationally enshrined right to return in Gaza and targeting women and children and killing them, or whether it is building an apartheid wall in um, separating um, Palestinians from each other and treating Palestinians as second-class citizens within their home, own homeland. And so you would say Representative Omar's statements are not anti-Jewish. They're not anti-Semitic. They are critical of the Israeli government and the United States government and their focus, their lack of focus on helping the Palestinians in their plight, on reaching what's often thought of as, uh, as a solution to this, a, a two-state solution, a separate state for the Palestinians? When we're talking about the state of Israel, we're talking about a state and the policies that that state implement. This is a political issue, and this is a policy issue, and this is a human rights issue, period. And this is an issue that we are, we're addressing the U.S.'s complicity and U.S.'s relationship with Israel to be able to and continuously engage in policies that violate human rights. Now, I don't know um, if you've, you saw, but the UN Commission of Inquiry um, that investigated human rights violations that took place in Gaza between March 31st and December um, 31st this last year in, in regards to the return march, the, the, the right of return march that took place in Gaza. There was a UN Commission of Inquiry that investigated if human rights violations took place, if the state of Israel committed violations um, in that period in Gaza. And it was found that yes, that, that very, very likely Israel did. Israel targeted children, they targeted women, they targeted medical workers, and they targeted journalists. They targeted them with snipers and shot and killed them. So these are the types of issues that we address when we're discussing um, the U.S.'s relationship with Israel. I think a response to that often um, from the Israeli side is that when there have been overtures for peace, that the Palestinians have not received them uh, in good faith and that they have engaged in their own acts of violence. So what's your response when you hear that? So we can talk about this um, in, in that framework, but um, really to the, at the core, and, and we, we will keep repeating this, this is a human rights issue where irrespective of who you are, human rights and people's rights must be protected regardless of who you are. So right now we are talking about the Palestinian people and how they are continuously um, being dispossessed from their land and how their rights are actively being denied to them by the state of Israel. So in order for a peace process to move forward, in order to have real justice and lasting peace, you have to give people their full rights and their full equality and the right to live in dignity within their own homeland. Now, these are rights that are not just... Um, we, people didn't just dream them up. These are, in, these are legal, lawful rights that people are enshrined to. Another point, Janine, that the critics of Representative Omar make is, why is she fixated on Israel? I mean, there are lots of countries, including other countries in the Middle East, who have terrible human rights records, that, that don't have democratic governments, that have are police states. Uh, therefore, they say that the fixation on Israel, therefore, without criticism of those other governments is anti-Semitic. So we are happy to talk about the human rights records and violations of any country in, 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 the, in, in the Arab world or within the entire global community. 
Um, right now, we are talking about the state of Israel and the United States relationship with Israel and the US, how the U.S. actively is funding an illegal occupation. The United States is actively funding Israel's ability to occupy another people illegally. And this is you see this with settlements. You see this with military funding. You see this with the United States providing the arms and um, military equipment to target um, unarmed civilians, including children. So that is the discussion we are talking about. We can have another conversation about other countries that violate human rights. And that is a valid and those are equally important. And we want to have those conversations and we do have those conversations. But we also have, need to have the conversation about the United States relationship with Israel and its complicity with its human rights violations. Um, I mean, we are all aware that the United States signed um, an MOU that will um, guarantee Israel $38 billion within a 10-year period. Okay, so Representative Omar also said that the United States has uh, provided that funding, has supported Israel so generously because of the outsized influence of the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, which is a pro-Israel lobby here in the United States. And she said that their, their financial might, their ability to direct donations to uh, members of Congress, to the president, uh, have swayed our government in favor of this Israel policy. Uh, and pro-Israel and Jewish uh, people say that this plays on a trope that, that Jewish people and their, their financial um, wealth has enabled them to get their way in the world. How do you, how do you see that issue? I'm sorry, um, this is not how I'm gonna answer the question, but I can't, I won't even legitimize that. I won't even give them the ability to legitimize that accusation because it's false. Any American citizen has the, ha, under, is protected under the First Amendment to be able to critique a special interest group that has substantial influence over a U.S. foreign policy. That is an American civil right, So you'd right, say this is, this is no different than when people say, oh, the oil industry has outsized influence because it's giving money to members of Congress, or Wall Street has outsized influence, that this should be treated as the same. Yes. They're a special interest group that serves the interest of a foreign state, period. And that foreign state is the state of Israel. And that's it. There is nothing more to it. APAC serves the interests of the state of Israel. And Israel is a, is a, is a state that is actively taking part in an in a, in a occupation that is illegal and is continually violating international law with in, impunity. So we are looking at what is the United States role and what is the United States relationship to, those, um, to Israel committing those um, atrocities. Janine, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You're listening to CQ on Congress. You can find this podcast at rollcall.com or subscribe at your favorite podcast app. I'm going to turn now to Logan Bayroff of the pro-Israel group J Street. Thanks for coming on the show, Logan. Thanks so much for having me. Um, you know, I just want to start by laying out, I think, where how J Street as a pro-Israel, pro-peace group felt about the events of this week, which is ultimately we feel very pleased with the resolution that was passed. Um, what's so important about this resolution is that it recognizes that we have a real problem with hate in this country um, and that it is a problem with hatred against Jews 
and many other vulnerable minority communities. And it recognizes that we need to condemn anti-Semitism along with anti-Muslim bigotry and other forms of racism and hatred. We need to recognize that the overwhelming threat on these issues is coming from the rise of the xenophobic white nationalist right, uh, enabled in part by the president. And we need to recognize that all of the different vulnerable communities, including the American Jewish community, are stronger and safer when we stand together, united on these issues against different forms of hatred, and recognize that a lot of these forms of hatred and discrimination have a similar root cause. And that's, that's akin to what Speaker Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi of California, had to say about the resolution that ultimately passed. When you cross that threshold into Congress, your words weigh much more than when you're shouting at somebody outside. And uh, I feel confident that her words were not based on any anti-Semitic attitude, but that she didn't have a full appreciation of how they landed on other people where this, these words have a history and a cultural impact that may have been unknown to her. But Logan, this started as a resolution <clears throat> to reprimand Representative Ilhan Omar, that she crossed a line with her statements. And you think she did indeed cross a line, right? Well, what we've said is when you're speaking about issues related to Israel uh, and U.S. support for Israel, these are very sensitive, complex issues, and it is important to be really thoughtful and nuanced and sensitive in how you frame them. And clearly, some of the comments from Representative Omar uh, have at times crossed lines or seemed to cross lines. Um, I know many people in the American Jewish community who have not been offended at all by her comments, and I know others, uh, many others who have been. And I think it's just very important to recognize that when speaking about these issues, you need to shy away from edging anywhere near anti potential anti-Semitic tropes. And so I think, you know, Representative Omar um, needs to be more considered moving forward, and I hope she will be in how she speaks about these issues. Um, but at the same time, you know, we felt that uh, the effort to treat her comments as if they were sort of the, you know, primary most dangerous cause of anti-Semitism in this country um, was problematic and mistaken, and that an attempt that it was not appropriate uh, for Congress to seek to uh, rebuke her directly on this issue, um, and that in fact that went uh, way too far, that it played into, um, you know, potentially could play into some of the, uh, you know, bad faith attacks coming from the right and the Republican Party on this issue, which are not serious about tackling anti-Semitism, but just want to score political points against Democrats. Um, and we felt that the best way to address this overall was to try to have a far more all-encompassing resolution that looked at the issue of anti-Semitism and the issue of hate in this country in the bigger picture and put it in the proper context. And I think at the end of the day, after much tumult and kerfuffle, that is the resolution that was passed. That's where we ended up. Okay, but just briefly, let's explain for our listeners why these tropes are particularly problematic when it comes to Jewish people. Um, the first being that pro-Israel money, Jewish money, has an outsized influence on our politics. Now, we often as journalists talk about, oh, the pharmaceutical industry gave this money, much money to candidates, and they have a lot of power, or the Wall Street, um, the same, or, or the oil industry. But why is it troubling when we talk about Jewish money? What's the history here? Well, I think there's a you know, centuries-old uh, trope of this idea that Jewish people have disproportionate and 
harmful influence on society, that we are controllers of money or political power, puppet masters, if you will. This is something that we've seen you know, throughout history in various different contexts in all different parts of and the Representative world. Representative Omar used the word hypnotized in one of her tweets. That was, I would, you know, that was back from 2012 uh, before she was a representative um, and speaking about Israeli policy. But yes, right, these are words that people need to be very careful about uh, when you're talking about questions. They've of been used to drive loyalty or the allegiance. murder of Jewish people. Uh, absolutely. Right. The idea that Jews are somehow, you know, that, that Jews have a special uh, influence in society that is dangerous or wrong or harmful or insidious, that's something everyone needs to be careful about. It does not mean that we can't have an honest and open conversation about how our you know, U.S. foreign policy towards Israel works. It does not mean that we can't have an open and honest conversation about how lobbying in Washington works on foreign policy, as you said, as it works on other issues. But you just need to be careful and sensitive about the words that you're using. And I think that is a very important lesson here for Representative Omar and for others. Uh, and I should add that we have seen these tropes recently in our politics in a variety of places. During the last midterm election cycle, there were a number of Republican campaign ads targeting Democrats, which portrayed prominent Jewish billionaires like George Soros or Mike Bloom or Tom Steyer as sort of puppet masters that portrayed Jews with stacks of money. Uh, you had Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader, actually tweeted in the lead up to the election the day after George Soros had someone attempt to bomb his house, uh, tweeted that Soros, Steyer and Bloomberg were attempting to buy the election. And I think these are the types of tropes that we see coming up that people need to be wary of. Uh, it is it is certainly an issue in a lot of different areas of our politics. Uh, and we've seen it a lot coming from a lot of the same folks who have been so outspoken in their attacks on Rep. Omar this week. Is the feeling, too, that Israel gets a bit too much scrutiny, given that it's a democracy that has basic freedoms compared with other parts of the world where those don't exist at all? And maybe Representative Omar could be talking about them as well. Well, first of all, I would say, I mean, I would ask Rep. Omar where she stands on a number of issues. I know she has been quite outspoken on things like the Saudi influence in the United States and the Saudi lobby. In addition to speaking about Israel, she's been quite passionate recently speaking about Venezuela. So I think she is someone who has interest in a wide range of, of global events and places where U.S. foreign policy plays a role. In general, though, absolutely, we've seen a at times in international bodies, certain UN bodies, a near obsessive focus on Israel uh, without similar attention being paid to uh, you know, other and in some cases more pressing crises around the world. I think the important thing, though, is that we do need to be able to have an open and honest conversation about U.S. policy towards Israel in the Middle East because Israel is one of our closest allies, because of how strong that relationship is, because we care about the future of Israel and Israelis. We need to be have, able to have a robust and open debate about what U.S. policy towards the Israeli-Palestinian conflict should be, how we can address the security needs of Israel and the human rights needs of Palestinians. And we want to see that conversation happen more. And we were, we're hoping that the events of this week will not quash or silence that kind of conversation, but will just encourage people to focus more about that policy debate and less about some of these debates about influence that, that veer towards some of these tropes. And the, speaking of the Palestinian conflict, we talked about this a little before with Janine about how for decades now, Palestinian lands have been under Israeli occupation dating from the wars of the, of the 60s and 70s. And J Street cares a lot about this. You want to see this situation resolved. And you've said that you fear that this uh, debate over Representative Omar and her comments isn't doing much to help in that regard. Well, absolutely, we want to see that situation resolved. You know, our position at, as a pro-Israel pro-peace organization representing the vast majority of American Jews who um, support Israel and want to see a two-state solution in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. We want to see Israel's 
future secured as a democratic homeland for the Jewish people. For that to happen, this conflict needs to be resolved. Palestinian national aspirations need to be met in a Palestinian state as part of a two-state solution. Um, So we want to see American policymakers speak out openly and clearly about what are the policy steps that we can take as a country to help promote the two-state solution and to ultimately help bring an end to the occupation of the West Bank uh, and, and and to move forward in that direction. We want to have an open conversation about policies by both Palestinians and Israelis that make that harder to achieve. We want to talk about the policy steps that Prime Minister Netanyahu's government has taken to expand and entrench settlements, to displace and demolish Palestinian communities, steps that are designed to prevent the creation of a Palestinian state alongside Israel. We want members to speak out about that and speak out about the ways that the Trump administration has been enabling that. You'd like to see the United States government using its influence to push towards a peace agreement. Absolutely. And using its influence with all parties uh, to do that. When we get bogged down in a discussion about how we talk about these issues rather than actually having the discussion about the issues themselves, that ultimately does not advance that in the right direction. But it's very important when these situations come up to differentiate between Let's be careful in our language, but let's not say these debates shouldn't happen. They absolutely should happen. They should happen more, but they should just be focused on questions of policy, what Congress can be doing to to push and counteract what President Trump has been doing. And as we head into a presidential primary season, what the next president in the United States should do on these issues to help move the parties back closer to getting a peace agreement. Because right now, the status quo in the region in part because of the actions of Prime Minister Netanyahu and President Trump, is rapidly deteriorating. So, Logan, you heard our prior guest. She was very emotional about these issues. Um, Why is this such a, a difficult issue? Why is this so emotional for people? Well, I think, first of all, it's important to recognize the, you know, amount of hatred and bigotry um, and in some cases violence that has been directed at vulnerable uh, minorities and vulnerable communities in our country, especially at uh, Muslim Americans and Arab Americans over the past few years. Um, There is a lot of passion on this issue, which can be in its own way a good thing, but there's also a lot of hatred that sometimes morphs into violence. And that is very dangerous. It's very scary. There's a lot of people that do want to shut down debate and discussion on these issues by any means necessary. Um, There are people that simply do not look at Palestinian Americans or Muslim Americans as Americans with the same rights as the rest of us. Um, That kind of attitude is unacceptable when it's directed at any vulnerable minority in this country, whether it's American Jews or American Muslims or anyone else. And that's why this resolution is so important in saying our communities are going to stand together. We need to stand together against that kind of hate or it's only going to get worse for all of us. Thanks a lot for coming on the show, Logan. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to our producer, Tula Vlahu. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it at rollcall.com. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit rollcall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at rollcall.